This is a Handshake Agency podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the Green Room Podcast on the Handshake Media Network. For those of you who know and love this podcast as the Green Room Podcast with Neil Griffiths, you may be thinking that Neil sounds a tad different today and that is of course because the incredible Neil has recently had an amazing professional opportunity arise that he could not say no to. So in Neil's absence, he has left some immensely large shoes to fill and I suppose now is the appropriate time to introduce myself to you. My name is Tiana Speter and I'm your brand new host for the Green Room podcast and I am so excited to take the reins and continue this amazing podcast that Neil has pioneered way back in 2017 and he's so steadily helmed for years now even since way back when when it was known as the music podcast. Neil will be so sorely missed but I am so grateful to be joining the team and having you all along for the ride with me. So without further ado let's kick off this brand new chapter of the Green Room podcast Come join me for my very first guest, or guests, plural. To kick off my first episode, I was extremely fortunate to have one half of the absolutely iconic Aussie rock mainstays, You Are Mine, join me in the studio for a chat in the flesh, with Tim Rogers and Davey Lane bringing some style and swagger to my morning, as well as lifting the lid on their highest charting album since the 90s, with the truly stunning The Lives of Others. Between how the album evolved from a collection of folk tracks into an iconic You Are My outing, and the uncanny ability to conjure songs remotely via some alleged ESP, Tim and Davey are certainly not without some fascinating insights into the secrets of how a band endures after 30 years of existence. But what's in Davey's musical DNA? What sparked this whole journey to album number 11? Come join myself, Tim Rogers and Davey Lane on The Green Room as we go deep into the world of You Am I and try to guess who is or perhaps isn't drinking a beer at 10 in the morning. Here we go. All right. Well, hello, Tim, and hello, Davey. Hello, Tiana. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us on the Green Room podcast. I know for a lot of us it has been a wild and woolly time, not just for the last 12 months, but coming into 2021. But you and I have not only survived, but you have thrived. And obviously we've now been gifted with your 11th studio album. You've busted out the lives of others for all of us. I know it wasn't without its struggles, but... How does it feel to be at this point having that beautiful album out in the world and with 2020 in the past now? Well, uh, if one thinks that it's fun having an album out at the age of 21 or 31 or 41, having one out at the age of 51, speaking personally. David, are you 41? I'm a 41 in one year, so I'll, 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 I'll decide to put one out when I'm 40. Oh. And that's uh, that's quite a bit of fun. But and It's really good fun. From yeah. Uh, when you feel yeah. proud about something and doing um, actually people showing an interest and, and asking us to to do it. Um, our bass player and manager, Andy, when he calls me and says, bro, we've got a mate, I think, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> Where have I fallen over? Or, uh, and we met in this hotel room in Brisbane. I was so nervous. I even dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> and he sat me down and said, bro, just want to say... Thanks for all the, the work you've been doing and, and uh, doing the promo. Everyone's really happy with it. 
so when then my shoulders dropped, ordered a quick cocktail. Of course. And I, and I said, well, seriously, mate, that, that anyone and that people have shown an interest and, and being so lovely about it. It's, it's really so encouraging. Joy. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, not only that, you guys have also been able to bring all of this to life live on stage, which I know it's been over a year for you guys to be able to do that. Like, how incredible does that feel to also be able to bring that in conjunction? I mean, the timing's not what we would say perfect, but... Right. Yeah, um, I, I guess while we were making the record, I mean, a lot of a lot of um, the what went into making the record was um, using our imaginations because we... You know, obviously we couldn't be all together in the same room at the same time. And, um, you know, when Tim and I got together to to lay down the initial foundations for the for the record, um, we had to imagine what it might sound like with our friends, Sydney side friends, playing on it. And, um, yeah, so, and that was kind of like... And, and likewise for them, when they went to, into a studio up here, they were had to imagine they could hear us in their headphones and... Yeah. When Rusty's talked to Rusty, our drummer, uh, the world's drummer, of course. Uh, when he talks about uh, laying down his parts and he imagined our physicality when we're playing, because uh, I don't know if it's a symbiotic relationship, because I think symbiotic is without sight. I'm not exactly sure. Right. I'm a half-educated human, <laughs> but he could imagine the, the physicality of what I'm playing because he said it informed the way he played. Mm. When I know. For myself, when I'm playing, I'm imagining him, and that's only after 30 years of playing together. Because if you're going to play in a band, you might as well play with the band and and visualise each other. And I guess the benefit of doing over two and a half thousand, three thousand shows together is that we can imagine each other um, visually mm. and, and, and physically. And um, so imagination was a, was a you think, gee, we can waffle on, can't we? <laughs> we? We were just speaking to Frank Kelly at ABC, Fran, a political journalist, and a, a really big fan. Mm. She was, she's an intimidating um, intellect, and mm. I think, but, but she was like, kind of, boys, stop there. So, <laughs> write it in. Well, if we're yeah. rambling now, it's because we feel like we've been let off the leash. Well, that's exactly what it is, though. Like, and it's kind of nice to have this opportunity to just cut loose a little bit, Absolutely. be around like, people, and on talk. A bloody yeah. podcast, exactly. When I was twelve, my uncle. Did yes, <laughs> let's go back to your childhood. Well, <laughs> uh, I guess talking about like taking back a little bit before all of this beautiful time that we're in now, where it is out in the world and you can play on stage. I mean, can you talk me through? It did obviously start to have its legs growing before COVID, and Tim, I believe you were down on the south coast. Maybe on the sly bartending, I do believe. Uh, Is this correct? Tiana, I, um, the whole South Coast thing and writing these songs was the year before. Yeah. I was down there just on a um, drinking and fishing uh, experience with my old mate Nick, who he and I started the band. Uh, but then uh, I went and just started working bar again, uh, needed a job and just didn't want to be thinking about music for a while. Mm. Um, nothing like cleaning toilets to mm. make you wish you were playing music again. Oh, yes. But there was a shift, uh, maybe it was late February, um, and it was Sunday afternoon and it was the Blues Club at um, the Esplanade Hotel and a great band were playing. But a couple walked in, an older couple, and they were both wearing masks. And the bar where I worked at, the SB, is, is a bit of a um, – it's a small space and it it's, uh, feels like a bit of a petri dish. Mm. One of the reasons I started working there, apart from I needed a job, was I thought 
you know, 30 years of being a germaphobe, I need to get over this. And so there's nothing like working in a pub because you're just working in swill and, um, you know, oh, and also clean uh, cutlery yes. and uh, drink, uh, glasses for everyone. But when this couple walked in with masks and they sat at the end of the bar and, and any time I'd go to approach them, they'd do this and mm. and uh, just ask for water and, and that's when I looked and thought, oh, it's all happening, this is true. Mm. Uh, so went home that night and wrote to my bosses and said, I don't think I'm able to work. I don't think it's responsible for us to keep the bar open. And then next minute. Yeah. And that was, uh, yeah, it kind of when everything happened, it was um, I'd come off six months of pretty intense touring. So mm. for me, it kind of seemed like a, a bit of a novelty at the time. And it's like, oh, you know, a few weeks of, of an enforced break or something like that but yeah. I'm, I'm really lucky to to have like a little studio set up in, at home so mm. that was that was my thing it's up you know take a bit of time off and and make some new music yeah, and absolutely. um you know if, if i didn't have that outlet to be able to re, you know we're all you know I'm, i made a record of my own and we made the umi record in that time so it was it was kind of productive but mm. I, just one thing we've been talking about that we get asked about, gee, it must have been hard being musicians who normally play a couple hundred shows a year, how it was um, as writers, both of us, and Davies works in the studio um, and knows what he's doing, I don't. But to have a creative outlet was a real relief and we've got friends who work in um, either hospitality or the entertainment industry who... Mm-hmm. More hands on, yeah. It was significantly harder for people who didn't have that outlet because, for us, if we've got a Spyrex notepad and a pen mm. or um, a piano in front of us, we we can do something, yeah. Mm. Uh, that, that gives us a little bit of a relief and a little bit of an injection of, of hope and love, yeah. Tatter, so beautiful, absolutely. I guess, too, like, did this kind of time give you a chance to reevaluate how? Are you on my album eventuates? Like, did it give you a little bit of that time that you? Because often you'll have all these deadlines and tours and everything to kind of balance alongside of it. Like, was yeah. it in? Was that a good thing? We're, yeah. Well, we're, we're kind of. I don't think we've ever. You know, when when we've made records in the past, we'll have a studio booked for five days or six days, and we'll we'll set us. We like setting ourselves those parameters to work and say okay but by the end of this six days we have to have a record done so yeah to kind of have have it as a little more open-ended a thing i mean it was good it was good for me because i i could refine my parts and and yeah there's a little bit of time to kind of go back and refine and reflect reflect on what we'd done mm. as opposed to that i'd do everything in the first or the second take and go nah well you know <laughs> good uh, enough <laughs> you know, out of tune always has been <laughs> um uh-huh. so we, when um andy and russ saying yeah they could evaluate their parts uh, i think that again uh made me think about us recording because uh, I, I have no patience and and figure well i've written the things that just come in and and um and sing and play and but we don't all work the same way and um, I think one of the uh, things that experience can can offer you is the opportunity to look around a room and go, we don't actually all have to work in the same uh, methodology mm. uh, and if I work like a stupid, um, you know, emasculated bull at a gate, 
that doesn't mean that everyone else has. Mm. And um, we got asked by Frank Kelly, uh, a wonderful friend before, he said, well, what's the secret in being a, a band together for 30 years? I think it's that listening to the what your bandmates need or want and you don't all have to have this group methodology um, as long as you can enjoy company but also respect each other's space and respect the way that we each work. Yeah. And then have no respect for each other once tools are down. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Clocked off, it's on. It was a, yeah, it was an incredibly harmonious recording experience. Mm. In, in, <laughs> in, we in, in the that, same room. During, during working hours. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure we'd, like, we'd, we'd write to each other and suggest yeah. different approaches and whereas we'd all be in, if we're all in the same room at the same time and things, you know, sometimes suggested and it's like, hey, Davey, why don't you? And it's like... Fuck, like, tell me. Our last record that we made in uh, 2015 in, in Brooklyn at the House of Soul in, in uh, where Daptone Records have their, their studios uh, and their offices. And it, it's a tiny room and it's a beautiful room. But it was summer, um, our engineer Wayne, uh, just this wonderful, wonderful man, great engineer. But, yeah, you, we're kind of, what? You know, mm. shouting at each other and you know, turn that down and that. Yeah. And it just happens that you, 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 your shackles you, rise. Yeah, yeah. Shackles rise. And so I think, you know, obviously doing it remotely, there probably was, you know, there probably there probably was that moment on the receiving end of like, fucking hell, I've, I've already worked out my fucking part. Mm. But, you know, but then there's also the time to let the dust settle and go right back and go, okay, cool, but no worries, <laughs> it sounds fine. Let's yeah. try it like that. And, yeah. you know. If Do you, is that the way you write letters? Do, you, do we? Uh, Mine are all quill and ink. Can oh. I give them to a pigeon? Oh, I've been doing it wrong. I, 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 I record all my messages onto Edison Reel. That's sent up on a, on a donkey up the Hume Highway. <laughs> just send faxes to people and just say, no, I faxed it. Oh, yes. that's a little it? too... Uh, yeah. It's too far. I'm so sorry. I've I don't know why I try and present myself as living in some kind of bohemian wonderland, you know. Oh, but, it's too oh, well. modern for you. I'm My mistake. Oh, just, <laughs> just hold me up as I'm, you know, um, I don't know what the most modern thing... I, the most modern thing I did today was wake up. <laughs> yeah. But how did you wake up? Like alarm clock or? Surrounded by opium. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> uh, some, so I finally chowned laudanum. Mm. <laughs> and a, <laughs> yes, and a, <clears throat> yeah. some, but it's beautiful. some young men of the night. <laughs> <laughs> so just a casual, casual weekday then. <laughs> Let's just call it Tuesday. <laughs> Coming up after the break, Tim, Davey and myself chat about the matrix of the UMI sound, the slight hot mess of their first gig back after COVID, and a possible new style for the band for their impending festival shenanigans. Stick around. Steve Bell here. I present the Handshake Agency podcast Rewind. Each series takes you back to a moment of musical heritage as we present oral histories about great albums of our time from the people who made them. If, like me, you have a geek-like curiosity about your favourite artists, track down Rewind with Steve Bell at thepodcast.com.au, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite shows. And I guess with all of this in mind, I know it's not the ideal setup for you guys, but given if you were ever looking to potentially a 12th album down the track, not that I'm pushing that, but, you know, 
it would Push. be a lovely thing. I'll push, push away. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. Would you consider incorporating some of this remote stuff if it meant that you guys could still kind of live your lives a bit separately and do what you needed to or were you kind yeah. of you're done with the isolation, that's done a, with the lockdown? That's a really good question. <laughs> I haven't been asked that before. Yeah. Uh, I think we wouldn't be able to stop ourselves just thinking, no, let's, go, yeah. let's book a room yeah. for, yeah. for yeah. four days and let's make a triple album. Mm. Yeah. Just that impetuous nature and then Andy would go, bros, <laughs> bros, take a breath. Yeah, one. He's he's the um, the, the calm, steady heart mm. of us, bros. Bros. Uh, I think I think it would. Uh, I think that mode of working would possibly influence like writing and pre-production in that phase. But uh, I, I think you know, I, as 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 much as we got a, a great result out of working that way, it, it will be nice to be able to all be in the same room together. But, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of that initial process of working out songs, working out parts, I reckon, you know, that, that'll, that'll kind of mean we use our studio time more economically anyway. Mm. And and, mm. and we, we will not have any money to make another record. Yes. No, it's just... Well, no, yeah. The, the coffers are low. So it's a hard no currently? But it's a hard no, yeah. <laughs> we did have to um, talk six months ago because we couldn't pay the uh, monthly bill for storage space. And our storage space has been decreasing Mm. over the decades. We used to have a big storage space and now Mm. it's about the size of a a shoebox, about a size 11. (laughs) And Andy had said, look, Jeez, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I'll, um, I'll go back to my gardening job. And, you know, David said, now yeah, we can do this. And, and, and he said, no, no, let's do something as a band to ah. try and pay for our storage space. But it got to that point, yeah. mm. um, which, you know, happens. Um, uh, but we did talk uh, recently saying when we make a record, we give ourselves yes, as David said, that parameter, seven days, that's a pretty good time for us to make a record, mm. wherever it is. But the first night... We say, come on, let's dig in, boys. But we no, we're going to get absolutely fucked up, of you know, because we're together and we're, yeah. like, hey, we're yeah. making a record. It's all part of it. It's so happened every every <laughs> single <laughs> flipping time. So day day two, three, and four are mm. rubbish. Yep. Day five, we start coming back out of the hole again, and then day yeah. six and seven, yes, go for it. Yep. But we avoided having that that first night blowout. <sighs> blowout, if you get my drift. And so there was no day there was yeah. no day two yeah. or day three or day four. Mm. Yeah. And with what eventuated too, um, I believe that it kind of started off more in a folksy kind of aspect. Well, that's yeah. Uh, like the, the yeah the, the songs that you wrote were completely different. Mm. Mm. I started writing them, um, yeah, on a fishing trip. Yeah, and uh, was I wanted to really concentrate on the lyrics, mm. on the lyrics, mm-hmm. and I found with uh, writing. Folk stylings, mm. you're able to work with uh, scansion and rhythm, yep. and so I did and, and honed them down and, and um, wrote them about five or six different ways. They were going to be orchestrated um, with a, a friend of mine, Ross uh, Ross Irwin. Do it that way, and then uh, about um, March or April last year, when it looked like things were all really happening, um, I started to miss. The band I'm lucky enough to play in, mm. and so I took those songs and thought, I wonder if I could turn these into UMI songs. And I thought, well, they've been through six iterations before that, so surely I could turn them into rock and roll songs mm. for the band, and and that seemed to work. And yeah. by that stage, because I had had the uh, the words sorted out and the scansion of it, I thought, well, 
okay, I've done my work mm. and um, you know, now let the, the beauty begin. Mm. And then, Davey, obviously you've been credited not just with the recording stuff, like you've pro- I've read a lot about you bringing that 60s stuff and the glam stuff all to it. Like is that kind of something you had always planned to inject into something or is um, that just what flows out of you? Well, it's just what's kind of in my in my DNA yeah. musically, I guess. Yep. Like, I, I guess, you know, I like, like all a, a bunch of different styles of music, but mm. that's one that always, you know, you know, seems to that that particular influence kind of is something that will always always uh, permeate in one way or another mm. whatever I do but um maybe yeah. that with the you know 60s stylings or early 70s um stylings I guess one thing about records made in that time was that uh it and, and records are still made now but there's mm. such an emphasis on on production Seen with so many records these days, um, I think as a group, individually, we've got interest in. Um, if you listen to Davy's solo records, they're so immaculately produced and arranged, and instrumentally very different from you and my records. Uh, but together as a band, we think without ever talking about it because that would be embarrassing. <laughs> that, that there's something uh, about the uh, and here I'm going to use this word. Are you all prepared? organic nature of four humans in a room mm. making this clatter that can sound really awful mm. or really beautiful and we but we do we see the beauty in in that that uh, the sum of our parts is greater than the individual sums yeah. what are sums yeah mm. some of the sums yeah. and so if that's got quite a bit in common with the popular records of those eras so be it but we don't see it as being beholden to an era because we might use 12-string guitars or um, a little bit of phasing here or we sound like a rock and roll band. We feel that that's just as um, legitimate in whatever year it is we're living in. Mm. It just seems to the popular, wider popular consciousness be a, be a product of that those eras. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll casually step back from that answer before yes, I embarrass myself. No, even. it's... Perfect, beautifully done. Great segue. <laughs> um, and as we did touch on earlier too, like now the amazing thing is you've been able to bring this to life. You've been able to jump up on stage and get a bit rowdy, bring some rock and roll to the masses. Yeah, well, it's that's really tiring. <laughs> we did we did two shows the other night in Brisbane, yeah. and we're thinking, yeah, two show day, flipping river, yeah, yeah no, right, no problem. Let's get on it. And yeah. everyone met up at the airport, <laughs> Brisbane airport, and. The um the luggage uh, belt sister uh, belts had, had belt shut down and down. Oh, it was really overcrowded and Dave and I looking at each other just sweating from a breath. Like, this <laughs> is really an anxiety attack as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's okay. just pop a Valerie. Come on, <laughs> uh, maybe one of those bar. But uh, and then uh, yesterday uh, got to Sydney and and he said, "Yeah, come on, let, let's go out." And mm. and then kind of called each other in the afternoon. And went, mm. "Are you really really tired and hurting? <laughs> Are you also in pajamas currently?" <laughs> oh no 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 no. We not were, him though. Obviously we were, not him. No no. We were we were dressed up. <laughs> yeah, both of us. But we just thought, yeah, we may need to ease into this a mm. little bit. Yeah. Just in, um, you know, sort of mentally we were crashing, of course. But you expect that. But physically, yeah, all that and yeah. jumpy jumpy and yeah. <laughs> that yeah, takes yeah. it out of you. Yeah, it's like everyone has to get gig fit again. And gig it's, fit. It's yeah. yeah, it's easy, I guess, to be doing it all the time. 
you don't you take it for granted. Maybe we can get you know you got your Should fit we? you got your fit but and all oh, that. Your fit but yeah. we can get good, good fit. Let's go get good. I wouldn't wear a fit but no pink fit. <laughs> But, but you can get Tony good. Martin's. I can't. Yeah. Credit <laughs> but tell me, talk me through that first moment walking on stage after over a year playing. Like, what was going through your head? Oh, it was great. It was in uh, Bunbury. Or uh, Al- it was yeah, Albany? Bunbury. Yeah, Bunbury in, in West Australia. Yeah. Uh, we thought we were prepared. <laughs> uh, the, there was a gentleman doing monitors. It was just in a pub, and about five minutes in. Uh, we're kind of having these looks where we're a couple of songs in and we kind of looked at each other and mentally, because we can read each other's minds. Of course. Um, the monitors aren't working. And we kind of thought, what are we going to do here? Because the gentleman doing the monitors at side of stage was sweating. And, <laughs> and, you know, Russ is kind of flip and you know, we're all pointing to him. I think we made a conscious decision then through our mind thoughts mm. that, eh... Yeah, oh, bugger it. The monitors aren't working. Mm. Well, let's just, you know, it it doesn't it sounds terrible. <laughs> it's, you know, way everyone's we're all playing way too loud. Mm. I've lost my voice. We're mm. 3 minutes in. It's just like 1994. Or yeah, I mean when those things happen, it's like, you know, well, you know, the the the, the Beatlemen would play at Shea Stadium without any monitors. So yeah. it's like, okay, well if they can do it then. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it was we had a, a a day or two's rehearsal before we started those shows and I'd started to, once we got into a room together and, like, I mean, obviously the thing of we'd not locked eyes with each other, mm. like, obviously Tim and I have and Andy and Russ had, but in over a year. Yeah. And, I mean, that was its own thing, but, like, as soon as we started to play these new songs together, it was, like, I started to get a bit teary. I was yeah. like... Uh, it's just like the whole, the the yeah the the weight of of everything that had happened in the year previous and the whole process process. But we um you know just just being it it was something being in a room together playing songs was just not something that I was um, imagining because I mm. didn't know when it was going to actually happen. So yeah. when it did happen, it was it was a... Or if it would. We've been beautiful thing. Talking to folks and also um, speaking to um, friends and family overseas about post-traumatic stress and, and uh, <clears throat> I don't think, uh, even being us Victorians, we'd think that last year it was uh, a trauma, but there was an element of just in... Just not knowing what, what's going on and, of course, being incredibly worried about family overseas. You know, I've had family that have died from the plague and my daughter getting it. Everyone's had stories about what they've given. And, uh, uh, then, but through playing music, we get the chance to, and even though none of the songs on the, the album particularly address the, the plague situation, um, knowing that they were recorded and, and written then, when we're playing them, you catch yourself at little moments going, oh, it's truth, this is uh, more emotional than than, uh, than, than normally playing uh, older songs. And um, But we get the opportunity to to let that pour out. Yeah. Mm. So we're very fortunate that we can. Because I still think there's a... People are quite jumpy. Yeah. I don't notice it as much up here. Definitely notice it back home. Absolutely. And um, speaking to my daughter in, in New York, she talks about it all the time. She's working, 
out there working in um, in a couple of restaurants and cafes and said, yeah, everyone's not quite sure how to act yet. Mm. Um, so it's that underlying thing still percolating. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. Less I, and less. But I guess yeah. we feel fortunate that we get the opportunity to go out and, and express and yeah. emote and, and um, mm. hopefully yeah. we can bring a bit of a bit of joy or a, a bit of sense of fun or normalcy or whatever to, to other people while not ignoring the fact that we're still in a, in a, you know, a global situation. Yeah, well, it beats yeah. like putting up 25 million photos of the sourdough bread you baked at home during <laughs> lockdown. So I think bringing out an album is probably... What's your problem with sourdough? I've got no problem with sourdough. <laughs> I just want to eat it. That's the problem. I'm just jealous. <laughs> it's the... It's, who knew it was so tasty, I know, huh? right? <laughs> it's true. In the t- uh, t- um, habits of home last year, there was a little um, fruit and veg store run by Effie oh, of Tasmania, the most wonderful human run this little fruit and veg store. And then since things have become a little less odd at home, I just haven't been back to see Effie and mm. got talking about things that you did last year on your little walk outside, your little out, <laughs> that you just can't kind of do anymore. Mm. And only realising it weeks later, oh, I don't go to that bottle shop or I don't mm. yeah, right. sit you in that park and um, drink and weep uh, <laughs> or buy capsicums from Effie because you kind of just don't want a reminder of how yeah, that was. You know? totally. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess it's kind of all part of this whole experience that we're all bringing into this and it's adding a lot of colour, you know, for, for better or worse to a lot of aspects of our lives. And Absolutely. I guess yeah. you guys are forging full steam ahead. I know you've now got... You know, a word that seems very foreign, a festival or festivals coming up as well. So it's, a, you know, it's all happening. We are playing a festival, the, the Spring Loaded thing. Yeah. The 90s. Yeah, the 90s are we, back. We thought it was the 1790s. We thought it was a steampunk <laughs> festival. But oh, that's a, I'll be right up your alley. <laughs> we're going to, going to put on our... I bought that bloody top hat with goggles. For just go that you and I are now a steampunk band. We've just established. We're going steampunk. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to get that long um, sort of uh, mesh Ooh, uh, jacket. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Plague, plague mm. doctor's oh, yes. helmet. Very appropriate. We Very really got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm sure you'll, ne- you'll knock it out of the park no matter what. And I guess it's just amazing for all of us to be able to see the lives of others in action. No doubt for you guys as well. And Thank congratulations you. on bringing more You and My Magic as per usual to all of us. And... Thank you for joining me today for a chat. Thank you. Very grateful for the opportunity to talk. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Right, thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day and your beer. Oh, we're going to enjoy the day. <laughs> we're in Sydney and then we've got a day off. What can possibly go wrong? <laughs> you watch. Don't watch the news tomorrow. <laughs> well, there you have it. Some fun little insights into UMI and a huge thanks to Tim and Davey for coming to actually sit in person with me for this chat and christening my first episode of The Green Room in such spectacular fashion. UMI's killer new album, The Lives of Others, is out, weaving beautiful magic in the world right now. If you haven't already checked it out, it is seriously sublime and it definitely deserves all the hype and love it's been getting all over the world and especially here in Australia. Plus, keep an eye out in a couple of weeks for Spring Loaded Festival to see if they actually do rock up wearing their steampunk costumes that they did promise me in this chat. We'll hold them to it. For now, head over to thepodcast.com.au, hit up the green room tab to catch up on all the previous episodes, including last week's, which was the amazing Neil Griffith's official last episode chatting with the crazy talented Luke Steele, as well as an insane array of epic chats, including Dean Lewis, Amy Shark, and many more. Definitely go dive in and check them out if you haven't already. 
The Green Room with Tiana Spita is a podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Tiana Spita and Andrew Mast, with Pharrell D'Souza and Henry Gibson providing research, recorded and engineered by Thick Parker, executive producer Craig Truick. 